Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Podcast. My name is Ryan Janke, and this week I am not joined by either Sarah DeYoung or Pastor DJ Laura. Today, we have Dana Mashevsky and the Reverend Dr. Paul Cross. How's it going? Going well, as, as well can be expected. Uh, but uh, you, what you're saying is you have the B team. <laughs> it absolutely. It's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, did you watch the Dukes of Hazard? The Dukes of Hazard. Actually, yeah. you know, I'm of that vintage, but I can honestly say in all my heart, I've uh, because they drove a Dodge, uh, <laughs> I, I did why? not watch it. That's why, yes. Uh, I, you know, as I said, I've often said back then I would rather eat dirt than ride in a Chevy because, but because I'm a Ford guy. But you know, uh, having a Dodge is just sort of one step below that. That even so. Anyway. But but you're familiar with the show. I am familiar with the show. Yes. And, and were you familiar when they brought in uh, Bo and Luke's other cousins? But no, I can't say that I, I didn't know they had other cousins. Oh yeah, I can't remember the Vance and somebody. Okay, Vance and somebody. Yeah, they they brought them in when uh, John Schneider and, and Tom Wolpat were having sort of a contractual tiff? issues. Oh yeah, a tiff. Yep. Wow, I didn't realize that a tiff. Yep. So that's what we got going on today. We've got Dana and Paul in. Is today. a tiff anything like a gif or or, or something like that? <laughs> I don't. <know. laughs> sort of sort of a, a verbal gif. Is it a no. gif or a gif, Dana? Which is it? <laughs> no, no. You don't know? I, I say it's a gif. See, I started that way, and then somebody told me j- that it's gif. It's because butter. technically, like, <laughs> the creator of it says it's a gif, but, like, it's it's a gif. Oh, well. What do they know that is the chickens? hill I will die on. <laughs> don't die on that hill. There are, there are lots of hills to die on. <laughs> no, Dana, that's but, the but hill that's I'm dying on. Don't. But, but, pick, a, pick a better one. It's, 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 do something, that, you know, like world peace or something like that. But... but, but Gif or Jif, no. That's funny. No, don't do that. So, all right. Well, I wanted to to bring you in today, Paul. Oh, my. Because. Being hauled up before the board. Yep. Because you got some high school students all, as you would say, wrapped up around the axle. So it seems. Over Easter. Yes. So I've got a clip to play for Dana. You want to bring the volume up first? Yep. There you go. And then hit, hit that button right there. But Jesus says, but no sign will be given except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Oh, by the way, I, this, this is just, this is a no extra charge. This, this, this doesn't have anything to do, well, I shouldn't say it doesn't have anything to do. It, it doesn't have as much to do with what we're talking about today. But, you know, sometimes people wonder, you know, did, 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 did a great fish or a whale or whatever might be really swallow Jonah? And did he really live in the belly of that great fish or that whale? Sometimes uh, call committees will test pastors to see how much they're going to uh, adhere to Scripture in this regard. They want to say, well, you know, do you really take that literally? You know, I say, no, Jonah did not stay alive in the belly of the fish. Do you know why I say it? Because Jesus says it right here. Jesus says that in the same way Noah, Jonah, was in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man is going to be in the belly of the earth. When they nailed Jesus to the cross, did he just pass out? Or did he die? 
That's the whole point of Easter, friends, is that Jesus Christ didn't just pass out. He was resurrected from the dead. And that's important for us to understand. There you go. How about it? You were referencing Matthew 12. I was indeed. 39 through 41. This is a fact. I'll read it here. It says, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of, of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Mm-hmm. Now that got some, some of our ute all wrapped up around the axle. Yes. Because yes. we know that Jesus was crucified on Friday, yep. which is day one. Yes. Saturday is day two. And then Sunday would be on the third day he rose again. Mm-hmm. But where's the third night then? Well, you know, I was more under the impression that they were more wrapped up around the axle about the thing that normally gets said. Because the typical understanding of Jonah in the the, uh, belly of the fish, or the great fish, or whatever you want to call this aquatic uh, beast, uh, uh, tends to be, did Jonah survive Mm. during this, or did, uh, that tends to be... He was in there with a candle, was he he not? That would be uh, Geppetto in the belly of Monstro from Pinocchio. Oh, I gotcha. Uh, okay, that would be uh, where that is from. <laughs> as I said, just to let you know, I, I, I have seen that movie both as a child <laughs> and the, the the Sainted Mrs. Cross, the SMC and I, uh, went to see it uh, when we were dating. It was funny. We wow. went to see a Saturday matinee back when they had Saturday matinees. And there was this uh, old codger. Of course, I better be careful. The old codger <laughs> probably about my age when I was then. But anyway, uh, he, 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 he rather condescendingly uh, reminds us, okay, children, hang on to your tickets you don't want to lose them as Rhonda and I walk in or as we're the only two adults not accompanied by children to watch this show but yeah that that image comes from uh, Monstro in mm-hmm. and Geppetto uh, with uh, with the Pinocchio story so that's a that is a specious uh, uh, perspective on this uh, uh, so let's first talk about that okay and then okay. we'll get to this three days three nights business okay, okay. because Joan is the far more interesting thing about that mm-hmm. but I did like the uh, the audio clip it, it, it that, that audio clip has kind of a, an echo to it of being in the sanctuary. I like that. Kind of sounds like D. James Kennedy or Adrian <laughs> Rogers or something like that. Not to put myself with those gentlemen, with that well, elite group. But it, it kind of sounded like those guys did on radio back in the day. So. Yeah, well, uh, those who have been listening to the podcast for a while know that back on Father's Day last year, yes. I made an attempt at playing clips clips on my uh, on my laptop, yeah. and it failed miserably. It failed miserably. So, so this time, I got to recording it just like uh just like a professional well that did as i said it had that that sanctuary echo to it that you hear on the old time uh, radio so who knows uh, yeah. but, uh let's let's talk about jonah can we do that yes because absolutely. i think that's the the thing that get gets most people uh wrapped up around the axle not so much the three we'll talk about the three the three days and three nights that's not a big deal okay uh, uh but jonah is fame is unparalleled and uh the prophet's name is becomes a byword uh for who knows uh for those people who are reluctant to obey that person's being a jonah uh they're reluctant to obey but the book's fame owes itself to this fantastic account of uh, uh jonah uh being uh inside uh, the belly of a great fish now that's the big question uh, uh again uh jonah is listed among the what they call the, the the book of the 12 or the scroll of the 12 uh it's one of the 12 minor prophets 
but it's not like any of the other 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, which the first of all, the book's more about Jonah than by Jonah. The other uh, minor prophets are the ones writing the book, and it's not about them. I mean, it might have some interaction about them, but it's primarily not so much about them. Mm-hmm. It's more about the prophecies, uh, either about uh, Israel or Judah or the surrounding nations. This one is about Jonah. Uh, second, uh, uh, unlike the other minor prophets, uh, this is largely a narrative. It's a, it's a story. Uh, if you look at uh, the minor prophets. Most of the minor prophets are not stories. They're they're prophecies again, either some sort of blessing or some sort of imprecation, some sort of calling down the fire of God uh, on uh, various and sundry uh, folks, or some sort of future prophecy uh, relating to uh, what's going to be happening on the day of the Lord. Third, uh, the third thing about Jonah is, unlike the other minor prophets, uh, it is an object lesson, uh, not so much an actual prophecy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is a prophecy in it, don't get me wrong. But primarily, it's an object lesson, uh, and it's an object lesson, unfortunately, directed at people like Jonah. So uh, that's the thing. And fourth and finally, um, Jonah's... uh, his reluctance and disobedience uh, in the role of prophet uh, sort of stand in stark contrast to the other people who wrote the minor prophets, the other 11. Uh, of, they were all on board with God. They were down with getting up in people's faces and saying mm-hmm. what was going on. So that's kind yeah. of that. Yeah, so, he didn't want to go to Nineveh. No, he did not want to go to Nineveh. And uh, as I said, uh, he so he was uh, known to be the reluctant prophet. So that kind of is a, a, a big distinction. The other thing about Jonah is this. Um, I will tell people that there are two, two count them, not one, not three, but two interpretive questions uh, that are the, kind of the main interpretive questions anytime you come to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first interpretive question has to do with what does this passage have to do with the Old or New Testament? If it's in the Old Testament, how does it point to the New if it's the New Testament, how does it connect back to the Old? Mm. So that's kind of a, a question, interpretive question, so that, to keep the sort of unity of Scripture intact. So that's an important thing. Uh, the, the, the second thing is in terms with the... Uh, 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 has to do with uh, uh, what is... How does the text handle the miraculous? How does the text handle the miraculous? Because the real problem... I mean, the, the fundamental issue uh, with the book of Jonah, and all miracles for that matter, is, is uh, you have a materialistic worldview versus a theological worldview. Uh, a materialistic worldview sees the universe around us simply as a, a machine uh, put in place and that everything is... Uh, a matter of uh, uh, action and reaction, uh, uh, action and consequence. Uh, it's not a function of any kind of design uh, in the sense of an intelligent being putting it together. And it's certainly not a matter of any kind of intervention of above said intelligent being. So that's one side. And you look at that and the whole notion of somebody surviving any amount of time in the mm-hmm. belly of a fish. Not no going to happen. Not going to happen. Yep. That's not going to happen. And so you've got that. And then on the other sa- side of the, the coin, you have you know a more th- uh, a theological understanding, the fact that there, maybe you might say a, a supernatural worldview, one might say. Mm-hmm. And again, with the supernatural worldview, you have to say to yourself, well, 
where does that fit on in the way you think about stuff? Uh, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, more than anything else, um, uh, uh, how, how does the uh, a book of uh, Jonah relate? Well, let's deal with the New Testament first. Uh, uh, certainly, the above-mentioned passage uh, is uh, critical to understand. I mean, Jesus gets right out in everybody's face and says, listen, all y'all pay attention. Um, that's not just y'all, but that's all y'all. <laughs> all uh, y'all, that's all everybody. Y'all pay attention. Uh, pay attention to what's going on here uh, because uh, just as Jonah was in the belly uh, for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man's going to be in the belly of the earth three days and three nights, okay? Just as. Just as. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is making a direct comparison mm-hmm. specific to his death and his resurrection. There's just no question about that. There's plain, simple. We can draw all those analogies uh, and, and show that that's what's going on here. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a big distinction. This, and let's be clear. Uh, I don't know of a bigger deal in the New Testament than the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, you know, I, you know uh, uh, Paul says, you know, you know if, if, we're, if, if, if we're wrong about the resurrection, we're misrepresenting God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's pretty big stuff. Right. Okay. Uh, so there's that. But now with, as far as the miraculous go, here's the funny part. You know, sometimes people will try to say, well, this is living in a, super, a time of superstition or, or mythological or trying to... Uh, Offers some. Uh, here's a. Here's a thirty. We, we talked about epistemology and ontology earlier. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about that right this second. We're going to talk about something else called etiology. An etiology is a sociological understanding of how people try to explain certain stuff. Like, uh, you know, why are there uh, why are there stars in the sky? And 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 ancient humans have tried all sorts of ways to explain that. Or or wh- why is uh, uh, why are why is there there day and night? Or uh, why are we made and female, or why you know all these things are uh, you know why is this why is that? There's no why to this bad. So and and typically in ancient stories of origin or ideology, not ideology but ideology, uh, they tend to be of a mythological perspective. Let's take a look at this story here. Uh, first of all, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the the first thing that we need we need to mention is is that uh, uh, th- what what makes this story problematic is that it reports the miraculous in the midst of the decidedly historical. You read through the book of Jonah, it purports itself as a historical book uh, that, well, first of all, uh, Jonah is mentioned in 2 Kings 14, verse 25, as being a historical prophet. So there's, he's, he's not just mentioned there. The other thing is, is in the in this mention, in the telling of the story, uh, there are two historically verifiable cities. There is uh, Joppa, uh, which is where he leaves t- uh, to go away from, and there is Nineveh, and there's a third city which we haven't found yet. But I mean, we we, we we'll, the archaeologists argue over the location, and that's Tarshish. So there there are three cities there that if you were living at the time of Jonah, you would know where those three cities were. So it's not like this is sort of written in some uh, obscure sort of thing. Uh, uh, the book also provides some incredible uh, historical detail with regard to Nineveh itself, the, the city itself. So uh, that's kind of a, 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 a curious thing. So you have this story of 
Jonah mm-hmm. going to do some business for God, and then this miracle happens. The other thing is not just this miracle happened. There's a couple of them. There's at least four that are said to be orchestrated by God. First, there's the storm. You know, the storm that comes up this, that stops the sailors, that's a, attributed to the acts of God. Now, let's just be honest. Storms in and of themselves are not uh, a, a suspension of natural law, okay? Mm-hmm. They're not. But the timing of them can be kind of curious. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the fish, uh, uh, the, 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 that God appointed this fish. Now, you know, people have gone to great lengths to try to explain uh, what kind of fish this is. Uh, you know, was it a whale shark or was it a, an, an orca, which don't live in that part of the world, I don't think. But, you know, was, was it this? Was it that? Was it a whale? You know, is this a, a, a story of a whale or a whale of a story? <laughs> Sorry, that that was that was going in there sometime. That, it was teed up. That, that was teed up. That was as I said. I was just looking for the appropriate place to insert that one. That was just just for your learning and information. Uh, absolutely, Ken. You can't tell this without saying that. Um, I bet you could. I, no, no, I cannot. No, 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 no. Uh, Dana, you might be able to. Dana, you possibly could have laid off that pitch, but not me. Uh, absolutely, you had to take that one yard. Oh, absolutely, man. Which that was batting practice uh, absolutely uh, absolutely but uh, you know it, but that misses the point about whether or not this could be done because I mean if you're going to talk about a miracle you know well make yourself a great big uh, uh, goldfish or whatever I don't know mm-hmm. as I said that's kind of here or there um, uh, we don't do the same thing about Jesus sort of being resuscitated uh, nevertheless uh, what happens to uh, Jonah and the fish inside now there is the real miracle what happens inside uh, did the Lord preserve Jonah in the belly of the fish that's the big question uh, and then brought uh, or did he later di- did he die and later come back to life I'm arguing for the second thing that he died and came back to life or was resurrected uh, the more common of this uh, understanding is that he was kept alive for three days and three nights in the belly of this fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's the miracle of the plant. There's this plant, the uh, castor plant that, that grows up. And then lastly, the miracle of the, the people uh, 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 repenting and so forth. But So that's kind of the background. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to be long-winded about this, but uh, all this stuff is leading somewhere. Right. The idea is that this is clearly two things here. Uh, one, it is a historical or at least written from a historical perspective. It's mm-hmm. trying to describe history. You can uh, fuss with me that about that if you wish. But uh, as I said, the, here are all the things. Uh, you know, Mythology reads this way. History reads this way. Analogy reads this way. Uh, history reads this way. So you you, you got to say what, what's being written here, and so that's what's being written here. Uh, now let's get to the to the, the actual you know the uh, the stuff that's going on. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, uh, the, the biggest problem that people say immediately is this: uh, my sister. Uh, shout out to, to to my sister Betsy. Uh, she texts me back. My my sister loves to needle me a little bit. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, she, my sister's not a prolific churchgoer. She comes when when she's around here. But as I said, that's not her strong suit. Uh, but uh, she says, uh, she texted me on Easter Sunday. She says, I learned something on Easter Sunday, she says. Uh, I didn't know that dead people could pray. Uh, she was oh. kind of mocking my mm-hmm. perspective of this. And so I, I says, uh, then Jonah uh, prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, mm-hmm. saying, okay. And this is the standard understanding of why 
this happens, that he's somehow being uh, kept alive. Kept in the alive. Kept alive. That's yep. the standard understanding of that. Well, here's the thing. As I'm fond of saying, well, I don't say this. I'm not fond of saying it. I, I try to hide this from people because people look at you funny when I tell you this. <laughs> I mean, you know where? I mean, what, what's the, the what's the place in 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 North Dakota you're from again, Ryan? Wishick. Wishick, and you're from Mayville. Is that right? Yep. I mean, the, everybody's proud to be from Wishick and Mayville. There's no question about that. As I said, I know. Yeah, yes, they are. They are proud to be from Mayville. Absolutely. Uh, they certainly are. I've been there. I've even been to the hospital in Mayville, done a hospital call in Mayville. Not been to Wishick, though. Uh, but nevertheless, they're proud. But, you know, when I tell people where I'm from, uh, people say, oh, really? So, but I am, <laughs> yeah, I am from uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, mm-hmm. So that might be, you know, some pe- cause some people to raise their eyebrows and so forth. Now, here's the thing. Uh, if I could say, well, I prayed from Washington, D.C., well, if I was actually in Washington, D.C., I would be praying from there. But if I am from Washington, D.C., I'm not there right now. I used to be there. Mm-hmm. So the, the spatial relationship to the word from can be a little bit uh, questionable. Now, people often say that, you know, if that were the sole evidence that I had, they would, they would harumph and say, uh, that sounds pretty specious. That, sounds, that, sounds, that doesn't pass the sniff test. And, you know, when you're inside of a fish, the sniff <laughs> test is, is there's not. Another a, there's another one. Absolutely. <laughs> Again, teed that one up as well. And I could not resist saying that either. So just to let you know, as I said, these, these things happen this way. Uh, uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, so, uh, but there are a couple things. Here's some things I want. Well, uh, here's what it says. Uh, let's say it says, uh, this is the prayer. I called out to the Lord out of my distress. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried and you heard my voice for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the floods surrounded me. All your waves, your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your, yet shall I look again upon your, excuse me, speaking in tongues here for a second, uh, yet shall I look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. The roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars are closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered you, O Lord, and my prayer came to you. Into your holy temple, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed and will pay to the salvation that belongs to the Lord. Now, at this point, my argument is sounds pretty sound because we're going to go over those items point for point. But it, uh, then it comes back and says, and uh, the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of got this, you know, what's the sequence going on? But let's talk about dead, okay? Uh, first of all, uh, Jonah indicates that his initial cry of distress comes uh, from, or as I said, spatially, the belly of Sheol. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we don't believe that, sh- that the Hebrew equivalent of uh, Sheol is hell, 
but it is the place of the dead. There's no question about that. You read a lot about it in the Psalms. You read a lot about it in the Psalms, and not only in the Psalms, but a lot about it in the Psalms. And so you just need to understand that that sounds like he's dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the first thing. Uh, uh, to suggest that he was in the belly of Sheol uh, would indicate that this death was in the most inner, innermost precincts of death, mm-hmm. so his belly. So that would indicate dead, uh, in my mind. Second, Number two, are we keeping track of these? I mean, somebody's having a whiteboard here marking them we, down. Yeah, we don't have the whiteboard in here. We don't, absolutely. We should, we should fix that. So th- they could see that on these podcasts. <laughs> Couldn't resist that either. Uh, number two, uh, Jonah confesses, the waters closed over me to take my life. Uh, uh, this presents a clear statement of death, drowning uh, by drowning, as do other statements he makes in, in, of a more metaphoric nature. But that's pretty clear right there. Death mm-hmm. means death means death means death. The water's closed over me to take my life. Certainly wouldn't want to die that way. That sounds pretty horrible. Number three, we're counting over here. All right, very good. Uh, Jonah uh, says, uh, you brought my life up from the pit. Uh, now, the Hebrew word uh, pit is yet another term regularly used, regularly used to speak of the place of the dead. Uh, in the Psalms, the term is placed in synonymous parallel to Sheol, particularly uh, Psalm 16, uh, verse 10, and then death, uh, Psalm uh, 30, verse 9. So uh, that means dead pretty much to me, too, okay? And number four, uh, Jonah recounts his final uh, words before expiring. He says this, when my life was fainting away. So uh, this statement, along with the earlier one in uh, Jonah 2, verse 1, indicates that this poetic section represents two prayers, the first being a collection of his cries to God before his death, and the second being an overall retelling of the event with an offering of thanksgiving. So, Two prayers in this thing. So that's kind of, people don't look at it that mm. way. Uh, finally, so that's, there you have your, your, your middle section there. So you've got your, uh, the idea of from, and then the idea of here are the all metaphors of death. Uh, then uh, the, the, the third section of this, so it's the third section. We're, we're done with counting. We're, we're not on five now, just to kind of let you know that. Uh, we have, uh, we have uh, uh, one, and then two A, B, C, and D, and then we have now three. We're keeping track here. Finally, from a theological perspective, Jesus' comment in Matthew 12, uh, verse 4, draws a parallel between the past event of Jonah's experience and the coming event of the Son of Man, Jesus, in his death and resurrection. And again, we've just read that, that, that Jesus says, for the, as just as Jonah was three nights and three days in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. So uh, making the comparison is to suggest that Jonah was, in fact, alive during his ordeal in the belly of the fish. Well, it then necessitated that Jesus had not died. That didn't happen. So there you have it. That's kind of the, the, the background with regard to uh, this uh, uh, so, so forth. So, is that helpful, or is that just a lot of gobbledygook that co- makes people's eyes cross? No, I think it's good. But as I'm now, as as we're going through this like this, was there ever a fish in the first place? Was there ever a fish in the first place? Sure, it says God prepared a great fish and it swallowed him. Or was the or was the fish the sea? The fish. Well, was the fish the sea? Now that now you're being a little bit more metaphorical than I want to be because the fact of the matter is the fish pop made a. Uh, he, he might the sea might have over uh, overpowered him as he's going down. It's sort of not like the fish jumped up and swallowed him and then went under. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was probably going down and then the fish swallowed him. I don't know. I wasn't there. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I, I'm just thinking out loud now because you know, vomited him onto the yes. onto the land. Maybe he just washed up on shore. Yeah. Well, let's see. It says. Well, here's verse 17. It says, "And the Lord appointed a great fish mm-hmm. to swallow up Jonah, uh, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish uh, three days and three nights." Mm-hmm. Okay, that's where Jesus goes with your three days and three nights uh, yep. thing right there. Uh, uh, you know that the the, uh, the whole business. The, well. <laughs> If you if you want to really stir things up, as I said, this is this is the the, the one that gets people mostly stirred up, and and they tend to forget this. Uh, I have some good friends of mine uh, who are Christian people who don't celebrate Good Friday, uh, and it's largely in part because uh, they suggest that uh, Jesus didn't die on Friday uh, because of this whole business, but that all you know. How you look at the death of Jesus through uh, the eyes of Matthew, Mark, and Luke versus how you the date that Jesus died or the day of the week Jesus died in John's gospel, a little bit of a, a, a some discussion and how to get those together. Not not prepared to discuss that at this time, but that's probably a little bit more along those lines. But most people most people suggest that uh, in a rabbinic understanding that Matthew gives. Matthew thinks like a rabbi. Mm-hmm. Uh, rabbis don't necessarily think in empirical, post-scientific understandings of things. For example, the genealogy in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 1, Jesus' genealogy, it's not precise. It's been shaped to speak of the letters that add up to the number 14. There are 14 generations here, 14 generations here, and 14 generations there. Well, if you take the Hebrew letters for 14, you get 14 in Hebrew which happens to be using the Hebrew letters D-V-D. And that does not stand for digital video disc, just for you smart <laughs> Alex out there. Uh, again, couldn't resist that one either there. Sorry, sorry, Dana, you're getting, you're getting full baptism today. Uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, the, 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 you know, uh, no vowels, so just think. David. Gosh, David, yeah, exactly. Uh, that, yeah. That, that, again, you can go back in the Old Testament and see that a couple of generations have been skipped. This has been shaped. A rabbi would have no problem with that. We might have a problem with that, but a rabbi wouldn't have a problem with that. That's mm-hmm. just sort of being rabbinic. That's talking, you know, kind of, that's, that's how we do business. We're trying to, to, to talk these things and make a point through this sort of stuff. The same thing is with the business with three days and three nights. You know, uh, you, you've got uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You, you, they're, they're, they're not too worried about, uh, you know, uh, does this work out in 24-hour cycles? They don't get themselves wrapped up around the axle around that. So as I said, that's not a problem for them. So that's mm. not as big a deal. So is that helpful? Yes. But wait. There's more. There is more. Of course well, there is. There's always more. <laughs> of course there is. You sound disappointed. <laughs> no. She must have found Sarah's notes. She must have found Sarah's notes. Exactly. <laughs> At this point, offer sarcastic comments. <laughs> Uh, the craziest thing that people miss about Jonah is this. 
is the affinities of Jonah with the New Testament. And this is what's fascinating, uh, that there are a lot that, unlike many books, not all of them, but there, Jonah has, for being such a short book and for being a book that comes under the scrutiny of uh, that it does, uh, you kind of miss the couple points. The first of all, there's this, that the, the book of Jonah bears a number of affinities with the New Testament, uh, even more so than other books from the Old Testament. Uh, while other books of the Old Testament find their connection in the New Testament prophetically, Jonah's connections are more thematic and literary. First of all, let me give you a thematic one. Jonah is a book about grace. Uh, few books of the Old Testament represents God's mission of grace more transparently than Jonah. Uh, Jonah is intended to bring uh, the grace of God, uh, his unmerited favor, upon the life of the people in Nineveh, a godless pagan society. Like the New Testament, this message is a mission of grace, and it's also portrayed as a narrative. Very cool. Number two. Are we keeping crap over there? No, we're not. This, that, I won't tell you how many. Uh, number two. Uh, <laughs> dramatically. Uh, dramatically, this book is about how the servant of God, while being steeped in God's ways, rejects God's purpose for the nations of the world. Uh, consider the attitude of the Jews towards the Gentiles in the New Testament, particularly embodied of how the Pharisees are portrayed in the gospel, and as well as the members of the synagogue in the diaspora and the books of Acts and Paul's letters. And also think about this today, you know, uh, how many people in the church today, are really all that fired up about the lost coming to know Jesus Christ. Uh, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. But again, here's Jonah, again, very typical of the New Testament condition. Jesus is talking about a, a gospel for all the nations, and they're going, and the religious people are saying, well, you know, I'm kind of comfortable right here at 4601 uh, South University Drive in Fargo, North Dakota, zip code 58104. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a uh, little plug there, friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. But n- nevertheless, we do get a little too comfortable and say, you know, this is a fine little place. We don't need to work. We got the gospel here. Mm-hmm. Well, what's going on there? That's kind of an interesting dramatically. Then fundamentally, so thematically, dramatically, and fundamentally, the New Testament is a collection of books that outlines God's message of grace to the nations. This is a precursor of seen in, in Jonah. God's desire uh, for the Assyrians of all people to repent and turn from their idolatry and re- embrace the true God of Israel. Well, God wants people to repent and turn to him. We had a whole sermon on repentance. Uh, was that last week even? I th- might have been. Mm-hmm. I think it was. We talked mm-hmm. about repentance. Uh, and by the way, I, something I left out there. You know, uh, it's this is very important. Uh, people miss this all the time. But in order to repent, you first have to pent. I mean, you, you have to... <laughs> She can't even look at you anymore. Well, it's true. I mean, as I said, if you're going to repent, you need to at least pent first. Uh, well, you know, it's like Joyce. If you're going to rejoice, you first got to Joyce. Yeah. I mean, how can you rejoice without having first joy? Yeah, you, you, you can't repeat unless you first peat. Right? Exactly. You have to peat before you can repeat. This is, of course, absolutely. Run before you can rerun. Yes. Oh, this is this is well. These, these are these are theological gems. I'm I mean, sure Sarah's so sad that she's on vacation. So I'm sure she's just, <laughs> gets to miss all of this. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, then, then next, uh, uh, geographically, uh, the events of Jonah 
are largely, uh, largely take place in two areas, uh, at sea and in a foreign land. Apart from Noah's Ark, the story of Noah's Ark, Jonah is the only book of the Old Testament uh, that has, has a boat as the backdrop of the narrative. Uh, several events take place on boats in the Gospels. The Tempest in the Mediterranean provides a significant parallel to Paul's adventures in Acts 27 and 28. Uh, like that episode, Jonah finds himself surrounded by Gentiles on the ship. In both Paul and Jonah share their faith with others on the ship. So again, very similar sort of thing there. And uh, and Paul goes about explaining the gospel in a foreign land. So again, very similar similarity in geography. And then like the gospels, uh, uh, Jonah speaks of God's supernatural activity in the forces of nature. So uh, we see a lot of parallels there. And uh, those are some things that get missed along the way uh, when we fail to see the book of Jonah and its place in the whole thing. And we just get worried about, you know, was he, was he dead in there or was he kept alive or whatever? You know, God could have done it either way. Let's just be honest. But mm-hmm. uh, I think I'm going with the dead and resurrection, which is a bigger miracle than being kept alive. I mean, you know, all kinds of people have tried to figure out how he was actually kept alive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tougher to bring somebody back from the dead than to keep them alive in the middle of a fish. So. That's true. Yeah. So there you go. There you yes. go. Excellent. We'll see how the how the Utes how the Utes like that. Well, I don't know. You know, as I said, we'll 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 see. They they may, they may think this is just you know utter poppycock and rubbish. <laughs> you know, they, they 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 might might you never know. As I said, it's 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 just part of the deal. It's, yeah. So all right. So we we got that covered. We got that covered. So what about... Like a cheap suit. <laughs> so that reminded me of another question. Yes, sir. In the Apostles' Creed. In the Apostles' Creed. We confess that yes, we, we believe do. that uh, Jesus was crucified, died, was buried, and descended into hell. Yes, it's correct. It does. You are correct that it does. we do confess that. Yes. yes. So if he was dead for three days... Yes. But he went to hell... Descended into hell. Mm-hmm. How do we? How do we? Uh, how do we reconcile this? Oh. Hey, everybody! We're gonna just take a break right here, and uh, we'll come back again next week. You can hear the answer to that question. Uh, until next time, my name is Ryan, and if you're looking for a place to worship this weekend, you can come into the building at Atonement Fargo, forty six zero one South University Drive, in Fargo, North Dakota, or you can go online. You can go to atonement.live atonementfargo.org or go to YouTube and search Atonement Fargo. So until next time, my name is Ryan. Have a good week.